Welcome to the Seven Hills Church Podcast with Marcus Mika. We're excited you're here listening as Pastor Marcus is about to bring an incredible teaching that is sure to inspire, motivate, and lift you up. You can visit us on our website at sevenhillschurch.tv or download our free Seven Hills Church app to watch or listen to more exclusive content. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed the message. Good morning. Good morning. Y'all are looking great. Sarah's up here with me, so we're going to have a good time today. And this is a rarity, by the way, so, so she does not like to do this, but she's doing great. So if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 10, and we're going to do something a little bit different up front. Uh, we've been in a relationship series. We just had a, a couples conference, but I want to talk to single people up front. Because I think if you're going to go the distance the way that God's prescribed, there's some things that you probably should be thinking about before you say I do. And then we'll wrap up uh, for those of you who are already in the I do category. uh, We're going to talk about some things that maybe you can do to strengthen uh, your relationship as well. Because if you've ever really gone in and studied a relationship that has fallen apart, and you've done the autopsy, and you really try to figure out the, the causes, because divorce uh, is really a symptom. Jesus said the cause was, was something went wrong in the heart. The heart got hard or whatever. And we know that whenever God talks about a hard heart, that's not what he wants for his sons and daughters. And so, so that's the symptom. But if you really, if you really went down and, and tried to figure out what was going on, there's some things that they missed before they got together. And that's what Mark says. It says uh, that, therefore, what God has joined together. So if God can join something together or it's the emphasis is on what God joined together, that it implies that there are some relationships that God has not joined together. God wasn't the reason that uh, that couple had come together. It might have been lies that brought them together, jealousy that brought them together, uh, manipulation, control. It could have been a a myriad of things that brought the couple together, but it wasn't God who joined them. And so we want to do our very, very best to kind of discuss that, uh, what you should do maybe before to make sure that God is the one bringing or joining you together. Because then it says, once that happens, that you said I do, then you should let no man Uh, separate or put asunder. So we'll get into that as well. And so anything you have up front? I think sometimes we're afraid um, in dating relationships to put the the relationship under the microscope and to to really see uh, what's in there because we're afraid that it won't pass the test. Um, But the strength of relationships, the root of relationships all need to uh, be qualified because life is coming to qualify that connection. You know, your, your kids are going to come and it's going gonna, it's gonna to test uh, the quality and, you know, um, sickness may come. That's going to test that. Um, the loss of a family member may come. A job loss may come. It's all going to test uh, that relationship. Very, very good. So to choose who you spend the rest of your life with is a big deal. So real quick, we're going to go through these. Number one, chemistry. Chemistry is when something beyond you is happening between you. And chemistry can be on an intellectual level. It can be on a hobby, an interest level. It could, of course, be physical, uh, that attraction. So, so chemistry happens um, in many different ways. 
And so it is important that there's chemistry, but I want to just be really clear that, that, that God's not the only chemist out there, that the devil is also a pretty good chemist, and you could be ooh and awed by somebody, and then it blows up in your face. So, so be aware that chemistry is the most shallow of everything we're going to talk about. It's needed. It should be there. But if all you do is look for chemistry, then you're in trouble because you could have chemistry with 10 people in one day. So, so before you know it, if all you're doing is running around and looking for chemistry, then if you lose it for a moment at any point, then you're going to be running after the most shallow of the relationship. It needs to be there. It's important. But it's the surface level, which brings us to the next level. If we're going to kind of go deep with this is the connection level. And I'll let Sarah talk about that. So not just chemistry, but when there's connection, there's a draw. You can see yourself with that person. Um, you know, when I was drawn to Marcus, I, I, I liked what I saw uh, that he brought out in me. I liked what life looked like with he and I together. And there has to be that drawing. Um, but it has to be, that drawing is beyond chemistry, you know, beyond just liking the same restaurants or, you know, having the same hobbies. There has to be a drawing, something deeper. Um, you know, I, I like who I am with you. I like what you bring out of me. That's good. And, um, <laughs> and who you are connected to is very important because there is a transference. So you can be uh, drawn to somebody but you don't necessarily like who they are. And you have to be careful with that because you're not, you're not going to be able to just pull somebody up to where you are. Um, you may end up becoming uh, someone who you don't, you don't like because you're connected to the wrong person. Absolutely. And that's where connection is huge because a lot of people have this idea, this vision, this dream. I want to be this kind of person. I want to be this kind of of parent, I want to be this kind of woman of God or man of God. This is who I want to be. But then they find themselves connecting because of chemistry alone. They connect with, with someone that looks the opposite of what they want to be. And then you move down the road a little bit. They look at their life and they're like, well, I'm not who I wanted to be. This isn't, this isn't what I wanted to look, my life to look like. How did this happen? How did, how did I end up here? Well, you can just go back who you just chose to connect your life to uh, influences who you become. Uh, when, when Sarah and I talk to our girls about this level of relationship, and so this is going to be kind of a dad moment, we have been very, very clear with them that the best way to really know who someone is is to study their social circle. And so the importance of even if you're a parent and you have teenagers, the reason I think church is such a big deal and the reason we put such a huge emphasis on youth ministry is not that everybody in there is perfect, far from it, but what you can do is inside of that social circle over an extended period of time is you can get to know who a person is by watching how they connect with uh, the opposite sex, watching how they even connect with the same sex, what kind of happens, because if something's off with somebody, then their social circle will kind of tell them. That's the way we kind of get worked on a little bit is you know, we, we are selfish in relationships, and what happens? Those relationships uh, fall apart. And you can watch the social circle, and you can find out where someone is and what's going on with them. Another thing about being in a healthy social circle 
in the life of a church is you have leadership inside of that social circle. So you can see how they respond to being teachable, how they uh, get counsel. Do they lean towards uh, the, the influences and the healthier leader? Or do they always try to pull you away from leadership or influences? And so one of the things that we've taught our girls is get to know someone without them even knowing you're doing it. Watch them in their social circle and watch how they are with leadership. And the reason we do that is because Sarah and I, we didn't, we didn't really have that. And we, we had the chemistry part, but the connection part, we didn't have enough time to watch each other in social circles. And so I think that that is a, is a really big thing, is not just chemistry, but connection. Which brings me to the third one, which this is probably the biggest one of all, and that is wholeness. Because the Bible says when God brings you together, you can't let anybody separate you. And so wholeness is the only way to make sure that you're not, you're not, uh, uh, you're not vulnerable is the word I was looking for, vulnerable to being divided and pulled apart. So why don't you say some things about that? Uh, Definitely wholeness. I think, I think you hear it said two halves make a whole. Um, I'm going to disagree with that. And I'm going to say that two wholes equal one. And so I can honestly say, um, you know, like, like we're saying here, we had the, we had the chemistry, we had the draw. Um, but for me, I didn't have the wholeness. You know, I think I was still uh, hurting from a, a prior relationship and, and trying to work on this. And you just kind of sell yourself short. It, you sell the relationship short and it doesn't work. Um, so becoming whole knowing who you are, um, you know, having things healed on the inside of you despite what your dad did, despite what, despite what your mom did, despite what your best friend did, uh, that you, you work on you and you don't pursue that relationship until you know you are one whole individual and you know who you are in Christ. Very good. And, and I do think the reason wholeness comes after connection is because connection has to be qualified. It's in the connection phase that you can start to find out, is this, is this person whole or not? Or am I whole or not? Because a lot of times the things that we call love, uh, really it's codependency masquerading as love. It's I got to have them. I need them. I can't, I can't live without them. And really... What we're doing is we're seeking the attention or the affirmation or the affection that we didn't get from our mom or our dad or from our parents or, or different things like that. And, and we're trying to fill this void in our life that's really a result of, of brokenness that, that happened somewhere along the way, whether it's a prior relationship or whatever. So the pre-marriage litmus test of wholeness is, can you say with sincerity that I can be everything that God wants me to be. And that means if I never get married, if God never sends me my Romeo or my Juliet, if lightning never strikes, if I never find my soulmate, if none of that ever happens, I can be who I need to be all by myself. Me and Jesus are good. It's not that I don't want to have someone in my life. It's not that I'm not seeking to have someone in my life, but 
I don't necessarily need to have them for me to be who I need to be as an individual and as a person. They compliment me. They nice supplement, but they're not really, my life is not, not defined by is the marriage label attached to me. Because if you need that marriage, then you're just running after the label versus who you need to be as a person. So I would be, be really encouraging all of those who are single, seek to be a whole person without the relationship first and just be able to say, me and God are good. Me and Jesus are good. He's the one that healed me. He's the one that saved me. He's the one that mended me. He's the one that, that at the end of the day, I got to have no matter what. And that's what a whole person looks like. And once you have those things, I would say one of the final things is to look for divine confirmation, divine confirmation. Now, uh, this is going to offend some of you up front. I just want to say this, but I have a little carnal piece of who I am. This is an unspiritual part of who I am. Uh, And I love gangster movies. I love mafia movies. I, I, I love them. I don't know what it is about them. But something about organized crime that I just, I just really, really, really love. And, and I do think that if I would have not become a Christian, that I could have been great at organized crime. I don't know what it is. I just, I feel like the world could be made right by breaking someone's kneecaps. Every now and then, I don't know what that is. But of course... God got a hold of my heart and Jesus doesn't want that to happen. And so, but if you've ever watched a good mafia movie and an assassin is sent to take somebody out and the assassin gets captured and they string him up by chains and they're beating him. What, what are the, what's the thing they're trying to get out of him? What, what, what's the thing that in every gangster movie they want to know? You came and you tried to kill me. I want to know what? Who sent you? I want to know who sent you to take me out. And what do they say every time? I'm not telling. Toolbox opens up. Pliers come out. Oh, you're going to tell me. (laughs) And that's to me what divine confirmation looks like right there. That's the picture of it. You want to know. Who the sender is. You want to know who sent this person into your life. Because if the devil wants to kill you and destroy you, he doesn't do it by showing up in some dark cloud. He does it by sending a person. On the flip side, the way God blesses your life is he sends people. And so you... Divine confirmation is taking the time to make sure that this person is someone that God has sent into my life to bless my life, to build my life, and to help me fulfill the destiny that he has for me. And so I want to encourage you, look for divine confirmation. And divine confirmation, by the way, is not a hard thing to find as a believer. If you love the Lord, if you're trying to please God, I'm not saying you're perfect, but you're going after the end of the day, uh, wanting your relationships to please him. God's not greedy with divine confirmation. God will give you as much confirmation he needs to. And it may not be these massive green lights, 
But he'll definitely give you the red lights. And your job is not to blow through every single red light that he gives you along the way, but to be sensitive to those divine confirmations along the way, which brings us to the last one, and then we'll get to all the married people real quick, uh, and that is purpose. Having a sense of purpose and having uh, the same heart for God and uh, knowing what God has called you to do and knowing what God and understanding what God has called the person that you're with to do so that you both have a purpose. Uh, when God has called you, uh, what God has called you to do is more important than a relationship. So, and then I think it's even, you know, when you're with that person, it's, it's supporting that purpose. And then, and I think what I said in the last service was, you know, when you're dating and you know, you know that person's purpose, you know, when you get married, you still continue to support that person's purpose. Um, it's just being that supportive role that purpose is most important. Exactly. So whoever you join your life to, they need to know that first and foremost, before I ever was introduced to you, God called me. And God had a, when I, before I was even formed in my mother's womb, God had a plan for me. And I have a responsibility to fulfill that calling, to fulfill that purpose. And I can't abandon that call and that purpose for any person. And it's not that I don't love uh, Sarah, and it's not that I don't desire to be with her, and it's not all those kind of things. But when I stand before God, we can learn, just going back to Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, when they tried to blame their spouse for why their life ended up going away from the purpose of God, God wasn't having it. So when I stand before God, he's not going to be interested in how she, in some way or another, pulled me away from the purpose of God. He's going to want to know, hey, listen, whether they want to serve God or not, you have to make a decision, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to honor God. Whether, whether the person that you're with wants to or not, I'm not going to let anyone cause me to abandon God's purpose and call on my life because at the end of the day, I will stand before him. So whether it's raising my kids or anything else, I have, I have a responsibility to honor God in those ways. In my marriage, I have a responsibility to honor God no matter what. And so making sure you have that sense of purpose together is also a big must-have before you say, I do. Now, if you're married in here, I want to give a caveat to everything I just said. Sarah and I, outside of chemistry, had none of the things I just talked about, okay? So if you're here saying, man, you know, I think I just heard everything I needed to hear so I can give up on my marriage and my relationship now. I want to just encourage you that that's not what we're saying. We're not encouraging you to give up. We're not trying to bring these things up. Uh, like she said, it's a good to put your relationship under a microscope. But now we need to pull out from that. And really the principle of everything we're saying is from this point forward. Moving forward, you can prioritize the call and the purpose of God on the relationship, that I want to push her towards the purpose of God, whether that was there in our dating relationship or not, it's not too late to say from this point forward, our God is a restorer, our God is a healer, our God can take what the, many, the enemy is meant for evil and he can use it for our good, he can take the broken shattered pieces and make something beautiful out of it. And so from this point forward, I want to take just a second before we get into this and also encourage anybody that's been through a divorce that's here. I want to say that divorce is not the unforgivable sin. 
I want, I want to be very, very clear that God hates divorce. That's what the Bible says, that he hates divorce, but he loves a divorcee. And just because you've gone through something that maybe God says he doesn't, he wasn't necessarily desiring for you, doesn't mean he has, he's ultimately holding a grudge against you. And you shouldn't be holding that grudge against yourself and beating yourself up with it because the commander and the commanded are more important than the commandment. And if you really want to know scripture, not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law, God always prioritizes people over principle. The end of the day, any principle he establishes is for your benefit and it's for your blessing. So he's not going to throw you out because you violated a principle. He just wants to now, okay, that principle was not fulfilled in your life, but he's not going to want you to be chained to a mindset of shame and guilt and condemnation for the rest of your life. He doesn't want you to be chained to that mindset and keep dragging you back into your past. So if you've gone through a divorce and you're here and you're thinking, I never thought I would be the one that had a failed relationship. I never thought I would be the single parent. We want to say the same thing to you. It's from this point forward. It's from th- we can't change that. We can't do anything about that. You can give it to God if you if you were the cause or you were the one the reason it failed. Then then of course repent, give God your heart, surrender to Him. If it was abuse or adultery or addiction, and you were just doing what you had to do to get out, then you just got to give that to God as well and say, God, I'm I, I'm doing my best to be a healthy person. And don't live the rest of your life beating yourself up if things fell apart. So now that we've said that, let's get to all of our married people. Ready? Are you ready? Number one, Sarah, go ahead and go with that one. Regularly rehearse magic moments. Uh, Look back at pictures. You know, I think, uh, go back to songs. You know, there's a particular song that um, Marcus played for me. Wow. Come on, man. Oh, you got the pictures. Look at that pinky ring. Come on, that says player right there. That's No, no. That was my ring and I made you wear it, like to say you're mine. Oh, is that right? (laughs) We were dating here. Look at that. It looks like Luke DiBenedetto. Like what's what's in the picture? In the corner. He wasn't even born yet, but he is in that picture. Wow, that's a throwback. So go back to pictures and go back to moments. You know, I'm not sure what I was doing in there, but, um, you know, or there's songs. That was a lustful look, wasn't it? I think, I think that we should play the song that you played for me over the phone after that's a breakup. Right. Suppose I called you up tonight and told you that I love you. And suppose I said I won't come Told you I was a player. Don't let this preacher stuff fool you. I had game. I had some real game back then. Someone who has game doesn't play a Randy Travis song. You, it was love. It was in 1952. Go back to the magic moments and remember what drew you to that person in the first place. Go back to your wedding pictures and, and look at the, the faces of, of the two individuals that were, gonna, that were just about to join their lives together. You magnify the strengths and you trivialize the weaknesses. Very good. Very good. And, and do your best to keep those good stories and keep telling the good stories. Because there's going to be more miserable moments 
and more mundane moments than there are magical moments. And so don't let the good stories get old. You got to tell them over and over and over. And to me, a good story is like a good song. It never gets old. You just keep on telling it, keep on telling it. Because if you don't tell yourself those good stories, then the devil will introduce another story. And it will be, it's never been good. It's never been right. It was never really love. It was never, there was never connection. There was never chemistry. And before you know it, the, the, the trivial gets magnified and, and some of the good times uh, get swallowed up with that. So, so magnify those magic moments. Number two, be more mate aware than me aware. Yeah, I think so often we can make it about ourselves. Um, you know, it may, you, may be the, you may be the mom or you can recall the time when, when you were parenting as moms. You know, you get the kids up early and you make them breakfast and you put them on the bus or you take them to school and then they call you. I, I forgot this. And you have to run back home and then run back to the school. And, and you're running, running, running. And your whole day has just been about, all, you know, all these things that you didn't plan on happening during your day. And then you got to stop at Kroger and get things for dinner because you didn't put meat out, you know, and to let it thaw out to, for dinner. And, and then you're cooking and you're just, you're just in, you know. Some and, details, huh? And then the kids are getting off the bus. Feels and like this is really happening. It's in the details. Because you rehearse the details over and over about how bad your day was. And then he comes in and he says, when's dinner going to be ready? And you get offended because you think he's micromanaging what you're doing during your day. Well, why wasn't it sooner? You know, and you're, you're saying those things in your mind. When he's just asking a simple question, but it's because I've taken the weight of my day into when is dinner going to be ready? So I think what we have to do is be less me minded and be more mate minded. And for me to, to look into maybe what his day was, what kind of meetings was he drugged through? You know, what kind of staff issues? We don't have staff issues. (laughs) Uh, the best staff in the whole world. Incredible. Honestly, that is incredible. true. Incredible. Absolutely. You know, but I issues don't, I don't last know. very long, by the way. But I don't know. I don't know what what his day has been like. And so you just take a step back and, and you just say, okay, it's less about me. Let me be more mate minded and just take a moment to maybe take the inventory of what his day was and the full day that that he's had. And I just want to encourage you, women. You know, we have such an incredible opportunity and ability to, to create the atmosphere in our homes. And I think it's so important that we, we kind of have to detox our day before they get home um, and create that atmosphere, that safe place, that, that peaceful place. You know, if, if you're hitting him the moment he walks in the door with you, would not believe what your child did today. You know, I, I kicked the dog, the dog, you know, whatever. You know, I think um, it doesn't make him want to come home. You know, it makes him, like, just dread it. You know, I just, oh, she's going to hit me the moment I walk in the door. So creating a peaceful atmosphere in your home is such an incredible thing that we get to do. By the way, everything we're talking about works really, really well from a stage. (laughs) A little bit different. You have to continually practice these things. Um, 1 Peter 3 and verse 7 says, Husbands are to dwell with their wives according to knowledge. So I love that. I love the idea that everything we're saying, you still have to 
dwell with your spouse according to the knowledge. You know, you can hear things like this, but you need to be asking God to give you knowledge and understanding, a spirit of understanding concerning them uniquely. Because what they're bringing into the relationship many times uh, is the way they were raised, uh, the, the tools they were given. Um, maybe, maybe they don't handle conflict well, or maybe they don't handle stress well, or maybe, maybe they, don't, they don't like confrontation, and they're bringing that in. And so the way you live with that person over the long haul is just by developing a knowledge of who they are and not beating them up because they don't necessarily have the same skill set or they don't have the same things that you think that they should have that you have um, and vice versa. You just got to go ahead and give yourself a little bit of a pass and give them a pass uh, on some of the things that just really just a reality of the way that they were brought up or um, and you know which isn't even the fault of the way they were raised. It could be the you know those things. We, we all are continue to be a product of just our environments and the relationships we saw and we're mirroring that in many ways. So, so be at peace with that. Um, number three, I, I, I think uh, they talked a lot about this, Earl and Onika did this weekend, uh, but compete more in generosity is number three. I'll let you go into that one. People can't live off of the love you think. People will live off the love you say. So I think it's important that we speak uh, words. We use our words uh, we can't just, I can't just assume that he, that he knows I love him. I have to say it. You know, I can't assume that, that he just thinks that uh, he knows that I support him. I have to say that. I have to use my words to be very clear about what I want him to know and uh, just not to assume and uh, just to be clear. You have to say it. And if you have the ability to say something, and that is what creates the oxygen in the relationship, not thinking of it, saying it, and to withhold that is to suffocate the other person. You know, so, so be generous towards them in things that you know bring life to the relationship, energize the relationship. And so be generous. Number four, um, I love that they said that what God's joined together, let no man put asunder. That's the Greek word to put room between asunder to put room between what God has joined together let no man put room between those two and that's really what happens in a relationship and so number four you have to learn to make up quick because the longer you hang on to that bitterness the longer you hang on to that unforgiveness the the longer you hang on to that offense the bigger that space and that room between you two begins to be and so what God's put together don't let any anything create that space between you so learn how to you know one of the things I go ahead I think as women we're horrible at that uh forgiving quickly I think we are we are um we are growers I think God has designed us naturally to grow things you know having children and whatever and I think that we we naturally harbor um things maybe in incidences that happen between our spouses and we call it our scrapbook a scrapbook or a folder. We file. We file and we're going to pull that thing up later. So whenever Sarah does something, whenever I do something, I, I, I ask her, is, it, is that going to go in your scrapbook? Yes. And this is something that comes out about every five years and all these things exist that yes. I thought were little. No. They, no, they're, they're now, it's completed an entire case against. That's right. So. That's right. And we are, we are as women, we are, we are bad at that. 
And I think just be quick to forgive, be quick to let it go. And I think one of the big things there is just learn some things are never going to change. I know we, we you know, you don't want to hear that in church, but some things about that person are never going to change. Never. And so you have to learn. I know. That guy's single, by the way. He's really disappointed in that. Or he's about to be. One or the other. We have an altar call just for you in a minute. But hey, listen, honestly, you have to create workarounds. That, that there are a lot of things that, that I imagined would be in, in the person that I would be married to. And as much as I want to fight for those things I imagined, really, they weren't, they're not required for the relationship to, to be fruitful. They were just my preferences. And you have to learn to create workarounds. Okay, there, there were, we talked about it. Those, there were those expectations. Well, that's just not who this person is, you know. And, and I can't hold them hostage because that's just not who they are. And I've got to, I've got to find out a way to, to give up the right to be right and the need to have it my way and, and simply just uh, know that by doing that I'm hurting her and when I hurt her I hurt me. And so number five, number five, and we'll be done with this and we'll pray. Uh, we'll go real quick with this. Marriage is stewardship. Marriage is stewardship. So God has entrusted you with your spouse and those preferences that he's talking about, I, I think that as a as a spouse that we should, we should want to as much as we can to make that person as happy as we can. Like he said, if, if I'm not making, if I'm not, if I'm not striving to make him happy, you know, then it's, it's just hurting our relationship. But if I'm doing everything in my power to, to make him happy, to support him, you know, God has, has, I'm able to bless him that God has called me to do that. That's my, that's my job. That's my purpose in our marriage to support and to love, and, and we're trusted with that. And so if, if you're a steward, if God's entrusted that person to you, ask yourself this question, do I see them the way, the way that God sees them? So I'm a steward of that person. God's entrusted them to me. Do I see them, do I see them the way he sees them? Because in the midst of an unloving, cold, cruel world, I may be the only glimpse of God they get in, in some of their days. So their days, they're around negativity and criticism. Uh, they're around this, this cold, cruel world. But they get a chance, I get a chance for her to get a glimpse of God when she interacts with me. So in the world, all that people do is they're unforgiving, they're relentless, but hopefully she can catch a glimpse of, of forgiveness and what, what it looks like to, for someone to believe in them and see potential in them and see hope and desire to be generous and desire to, to be giving. And so do, do you see them the way that God sees them? Are you, are you seeing that God has given this person to you is someone to be a steward over and hopefully let them see, see a little glimpse of him in you as well. You know, I thought about how we would pray, how we would wrap up praying. I want to say up front, whenever you do messages like, or at the end, that whenever you do messages like this, 
we probably, there's probably a hundred things we didn't talk about. And you're, you're sitting here saying, I wish they would have talked about this. And why didn't they talk about sex more? Why didn't they talk about this more? Why didn't they talk about, and I just want to um, say there's so much to relationships. I actually have a friend that's a pastor who said there's two things you can never preach on enough. Number one is marriage because people are always struggling with their marriage. And number two is forgiveness because every single day we have an opportunity to get offended. And people really struggle consistently with knowing what to do with with offense. So I want to pray for a a few different people today. Um, I want to pray, and I don't know if I've ever done this before, but I want to pray for people that have gone through a divorce. I want to pray for people that have gone through a divorce and the enemy's been beating you up with that thing. And I just, want, I just want to believe with you today that God would help you push that, that reset button. I also want to pray for our singles that are here. Um, whether you're in a relationship, a dating relationship, or you're not, I want to pray that if you're looking for that divine confirmation, you're looking for divine confirmation, I want to pray that God would give you divine confirmation. And I think that the only thing worse than walking away, not because I said it, not because I've asked you to, or the only thing worse than walking away from a relationship is to stay in a relationship that is not the will of God for, for you, because if it's not the will of God for you, it's ultimately not the will of God for that person either. And sometimes you have to be, have the strength to make the hard call. And it's not just for your benefit, but it's for theirs, their benefit as well. And so I want to pray for single people that God would give you divine confirmation or if he has given you divine confirmation to pull back, that you would be able to be obedient to that and have the strength to do that. Or on the opposite, if it's time for you to move forward and because of fear or because of other things you've been unable to, to move forward, that maybe you've received the divine confirmation that you needed and, and it's time for you to move forward. And I'm, I'm just going to pray that God would release you today to do that as well. And then, of course, we'll pray for all the married people as well. So as the worship team comes, why don't we stand up to our feet and we'll dismiss you in just a second. But I'm going to invite the prayer partners to come forward. And, um, you know, as we end service, I want to challenge you, if you've gone through that divorce and you need healing in your heart, I'm going to challenge you as, as people slip out to come forward and receive prayer. If you're single or a young person that's here and you're looking for that divine confirmation, as people slip out, I'm going to encourage you to only let service over if you want it to be, to not be uh, hesitant to go ahead and wait and come forward and receive prayer. I think one of the most important things you can do is when God says something, he speaks something to you, to not just walk away from it, but it's to, to walk into it and let the Holy Spirit seal that word that God put in your heart about a major decision you need to make. And there's nothing like the power of someone agreeing with you in prayer to set you up as you walk out to say, man, God gave me that word. I, I walked forward. I said, God, I need your help in this area of my life. And so, and then all of our married people, I want to pray for you because I do believe that the devil loves to destroy homes. And I just want to pray that, that God breathe fresh life onto every marriage that's here. We really do want to see you win and succeed. 
Uh, we know how hard it can be. We know it's not easy. We know how frustrating and complicated it can be. Uh, but we do believe God can give you his grace and God can empower you uh, to find a way to make that relationship win. That You don't have to quit. You don't have to give up. That God can renew and God can reconcile and God can restore and he wants to. You just have to say, God, I'm here. I'm open to it. And, and, and I believe that God will do that even in this service, even now. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we take all that you've done in this relationship series over the last several weeks. And, Father, we pray that you continue to speak. No matter what situation is represented in this room, Father, we thank you for breathing new life into every heart and every life. In Jesus' name, we all said a big amen.